wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. Today's episode, we have Andrew Pressgraves, an expert coon hunter. Love to deer hunt. Now that I got, uh, got three kids and all of them love to hunt. They're definitely, they're a little more into deer hunting, turkey hunting, than they are coon hunting. You know, I love turkey hunting. This is about as much as I do coon hunting. If it can be hunted, then yeah, we pretty much do it. You know, as good as anybody, that taxidermy bill keeps getting more and more every year. The taxidermy bill and the camo bill. I don't understand how a kid's camo outfit can cost the same amount of money as an adult's camo outfit, and it's half the material. And these kids, they're growing so daggone fast, I'm going to have to get a second job. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on today's episode, we have Andrew Pressgraves. And Andrew is what I would call an expert coon hunter. And he has some amazing blue tick coon hounds. And Andrew is from Luray, Virginia. He's uh, just the next town over from where I live here in Virginia. Um, And I've known Andrew for a long time, and I've always admired what he's done as far as coon hunting. And I love seeing his posts on Facebook. And uh, so I decided, I said, hey, I need to get Andrew on here. I had Cullen Godding on uh, a few previous episodes, and he talked a little bit about coon hunting. But I know Andrew is what I would recall uh, an expert, a professional at this. And so I wanted him on here so that he could help educate us. So, Andrew, thanks for being on. Thank you. I definitely appreciate your introduction there and uh, having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell the tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself and uh, what brought you into coon hunting. Uh, well, um, like I said, my name's Andrew Prescrees. Um, I do live in Liberty, Virginia. Um, I've been coon hunting now for right around 30 years. Like I started when I was eight years old with my dad. Um, it's something that I grew up doing. Um, you know, it's just, I love to do it. Um, I guess my dad, he grew up the same way. They were hunting and that was a bond that me and him shared together. And it just seemed like once it gets you new blood, it's, it's, it's hard to stop. And, uh, I've been been very blessed to to be able to do it this long and and be successful with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you started when you were eight years old. Very similar to to me, I started deer hunting at a very young age, participating. And uh, just as time progressed, that was something that I was able to do with my dad. And that's what you did. Now, now you're also a big-time deer and turkey hunter, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't get to deer hunt as much as I would like to, but uh, yeah, um, love to deer hunt. I know I got uh, got three kids, and all of them love to hunt. They're definitely they're a little more into deer hunting, turkey hunting, than they are coon hunting. Um, which I, you know, I love turkey hunting. This is about as much as I do coon hunting. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's it's something that all three of my kids are interested in. Like I said, they they prefer more deer and turkey hunting than they do coon hunting, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, we if it can if it can be hunted, then yeah, we pretty much do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love seeing the post of the boys and um, that one. I don't know know which one did it, but one of them killed a really nice eight pointer this year. And I, it doesn't matter though what they kill. Um, I just love seeing the post. But man, when I saw that eight pointer, I was like, man, way to go! And that's that's really cool because that says a lot about how you're raising them. 
and what you're doing for them and helping mold them as young adults. And um, I'm proud of you. And I, I love seeing posts uh, of you and your and your boys out hunting. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, to more posts in the uh, upcoming seasons. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That was uh, that was Hunter. He's my oldest one. They got the eight pointer. You know, it's um, it, it, as I get older and, and everything, it becomes more and more about watching them hunt than than myself. And uh, you, know, you know, as good as anybody, that taxidermy bill keeps getting more and more every year. It seems like so. The taxidermy bill and the camo bill. I don't. I don't understand how. A kid's camo outfit can cost the same amount of money as an adult's camo outfit, and it's half the material or a third of the material. And these kids, they're growing so daggone fast that they're uh, between the taxidermy bill and the camo bill. I'm going to have to get a second job. <laughs> oh, I know, man. It, it's unreal. Yep. Yes, it is. So. You started coon hunting with your dad at eight years old, and it's just something that you've done over the years. And I'd say like a lot of hunting, technology has been something that's been beneficial. And But have you seen much change from the way that you coon hunt now versus the way that you did when you were eight? Oh, yeah. It's like you said, the technology part of it has grown leaps and bounds. Um when we first started out, you know, we didn't have tracking systems. Um, we didn't have none of that stuff. We didn't have the fancy lights and, and everything like that. We started off with an old mag light, you know, two or three cell mag light to, to hunt with. And yeah, over the years, you know, the, the advancements in technology have gotten unreal. Now we've got you know, Garmin tracking systems. And I can tell you exactly where that dog is down to the couple feet, you know, and keep track of him the whole time he's hunting and, be able to watch it on a you know a little screen and tell you you know how far he is, what direction he's headed, if he's getting near a road or a house or anything like that, and it's it's definitely made it a lot easier um, to be able to control you know the dog and and kind of keep him in a certain area if you need to. And but it's you know it's a uh, it's definitely a big difference. It's um, it's definitely gotten more expensive. And a lot of equipment and the prices of that is going through the roof. But uh, you know it's like I say, in 30 years, the way we hunt now compared to the, the technology we had back then is it's night and day difference. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could, I, I could picture that and uh, like headlamps and the different styles that they have. I know, like with predator hunting, um, many years ago, I started out hunting with different versions of uh, spotlights and how they've just gone compact. And it's evolution, I think, of technology has been. I think are really good for our industry. I know some people may say, well, it's kind of taken a lot of the hunting out of, of hunting, but I think uh, any resource that we can use to become more successful, I think is a good thing. And as long as we're not taking, you know, advantage of it, um, I think we're, uh, I think we're doing the right thing. And uh, so coon hunting is, is something that I've never done. Um, I've, shot raccoons when i was you know bow hunting or you know deer hunting and um one time i actually had to shoot one because it was climbing my tree and would not uh no matter what i did it would not quit climbing my tree and i think more than anything out of fear i shot it (laughs) (laughs) but uh 
What's uh so walk walk me through like a normal night of uh, getting ready for to go hunting and you know what you're doing to prepare. Uh well, um, like I said, we got blue tick hounds. Is what we hunt. Um, that's pretty much what I've always had success with, and I mean those are other breeds, but that's always what I've you know had success with. And the normal night is you know we'll load the dogs up. Um, unfortunately, around here it's getting harder and harder all the time to find private land to be able to hunt on. So we do a lot of hunting in national forest, um, public land. Um, there's a lot of walking involved. Um, yeah, we'll cut the dogs loose. And, and I know you've probably hunted down in Page Valley in the national forest before. Yep. Um, you know how steep and, and rugged it can get back in there. It's, oh, yes. Yeah, pretty rough places sometimes. Um, but that's pretty much where we hunt it. That's 90% of, of how we hunt it and where we hunt at it. Get in there, cut the dogs loose. Um, you know, they'll start hunting, they'll go back in there, they'll strike a track and start working it up and, you know, hopefully get intrigued and you go in there. Like I say, sometimes it can be a quick cut towards only a couple hundred yards and I've had them go, you know, a couple miles before. So it's just, it really depends on the time of year. Um, when coons start rutting, which is January, February, I mean, they can, they'll cover some ground. You yeah. Know, they'll, old boar coon will run hard. So, this time of year, you're going to be in for some walking. Um, and most nights, it's, it's going to be you know, long nights. And you know, hopefully, dogs get back there and get treed and be able to get back there and, and see the king. That's awesome. That is awesome. I love hunting with dogs. Um, I, I love to bird hunt with dogs. I love to rabbit hunt with dogs. And uh, just hearing the dogs work, I, I would assume that they're very vocal when they're on track. Is that right? They are. Um, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. You know, a lot of people um, that raise dogs that that's what they get the enjoyment out of is, is seeing a young dog that you raise from a pup and, and you know kind of see him start putting everything together and you know the bond that you have with them. I mean, you're you know with us. You know, we spend from the time they're born. Yeah, you know, we we raise them, and train them, and, and start them ourselves. And you know, just to seeing something that. Yeah, you know, like my old my one of my dogs now, you know, Dallas, he's pretty much our main dog. We actually had to hand raise him. We had to you never know, hand raise him, his mother wouldn't take care of him. Um, so we hand raised him and you know, just to have that bond with him. He's seven years old now and to know that you know, he was pretty much there from day one and every trip he's took through the woods, I've been there with him, you know, every step of the way and you know, just to to watch that pup you know, open on track for the first time or, you know, make it to the first tree with the old dogs and then they kind of start seeing him doing it on his own. And it's, it's a special experience and uh, it's something that I think everybody should experience at least once and, and go watch the dogs, how they work and uh, how they want to please you. And you know, they, they give their all every time you cut them loose and they love what they do. And yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely fun to watch them. That's awesome. That's awesome. So is this something that like it's bred into their DNA and their genetics that they're going to be a coon dog or is that something that you've got to train them to do? It's 50-50. It's, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, they, they do have to have the breeding genetics in them, um, but it also takes the time and effort uh, um, of a handler to, to get it out of them sometimes and give them the opportunity. Um, yeah, that's Part of it is, it's, you know, they're not going to make coon dogs sitting in the pen. They have to get a chance. Yeah. If it's bred in them, it makes, it makes training them a, a lot easier. 
And, you know, some dogs start on their own. They just need the opportunity. And, you know, you as a handler have to give them that chance and, and take them hunting. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, how long is the coon hunting season here in Virginia? Uh, we have what they call what our kill season comes in October 10th and it goes to March 15th. Okay. And, uh, well, actually, I got that backwards. I got that backwards. It goes from uh, October 15th to March 10th. Okay. Gotcha. Um, that's, that's kill season. Um, and then you'll have. You can have training season, um, which is you can run them, but you can't be in possession of any firearms or anything like that you know, all year. Okay. You can do that all year. So you can keep a dog, um, I guess, like up to speed, so to speak, and fresh, ready to go. So I like that. Yeah. yeah I like yeah, that. You can. Yeah, because I, I ha- previously I had Kenzie Taylor on here, and she does deer recovery. And um, she has Leba, and me and her were talking about what she does in the off-season. And, you know, it's really hard to prep a dog to track a wounded or dead animal that you technically can't, you know, you don't have a, an actual animal. So she's using parts of deer from that she collected during the hunting season and, you know, blood that she's, you know, captured and so to speak. And so that's really cool that as a coon hunter, you can keep your dog fresh by just going and, and tracking. You're not killing, but you're, you're going and tracking. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and like I say, you know, you know, here in Virginia, we don't have a real high coon population as it is. So, you know, you can't kill everything that you treat. Yeah. And we don't anyway. You know, it's, I mean, you, you pretty much got to be selective on, on what you do. Because like I've told a lot of the other guys before that, you know, a dead coon don't run again. Once he's dead, that's it. You can't go back and run him again. Uh, it, it's really hard to, to get a young dog and a pup started on coons if there's none there because you killed them all out. You know, so you have to be selective on that. Okay. So, and that makes sense to me because, um, you know, you said it's more about working the dog and, and what they're doing. And so a treat coon sounds like a successful hunt to me, right? It doesn't have to end in a dead coon. That coon can live to run another day. So I like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of what you know, we do is, you know, you can go in there and dogs treat them. And, I mean, you know, them dogs are, are doing it just so you can pat them on the head and tell them good boy and, you know, that's that's what they live for, and they don't have to have that coon shot out to them. You go in there, and of course, like you see on you know, Facebook, we'll take some pictures of the dog, the coon in the tree, and grab the dogs and go on, and you know, hopefully go tree another one. And you know, 10, 15 minutes after we leave, that coon comes back down and goes on about his business and goes back to the one he was doing before the dogs, you know, treat him. So. Yeah, I'm sure he was up there in that tree sweating a little bit, though, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, I'm sure, yeah. That's really cool, though, because it's almost like catch and release fishing, you know, because it's something that, you know, if I go turkey hunting and I call in a turkey and I shoot it, which I love to do, or I, I, you know, stalk up on a turkey and and shoot it, um, that's, you know, unfortunately that turkey, you know, he's, he's dead and that's my objective. But at the same time, when you're doing this, as far as coon hunting, like it literally is catch and release, and you do you think you've treed the same coon more than once? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's certain things in, that we've ran numerous times, and you can tell by how they run, you know, kind of run the same area. You know, you might strike him in the, the same kind of general area there. Yeah, I know, you know, we've, um, there was one a couple of years ago, you know, that we would strike him in pretty much the same spot, and he would always run pretty much the same way, and he'd go and get behind its old, with old abandoned house and down in Page Valley, and uh, he would always run the same spot, and we treat him, and, you know, you might, go two or three weeks and you know you take the track and sure enough it'd go the same way and end up at pretty much the same tree behind the old same abandoned house and you know pretty much know it's the same thing so yeah and eventually you know, sometimes they do get you know they get used to, to being ran and you know the king course he thinks well that worked you know i got away so i'll do it again you're doing the same thing over and over because in his mind he's you know he won he got you know he he was successful at hiding from us and and getting away is what he thinks because you know we didn't hurt him and left him around again another night so oh that's awesome that's awesome what would you say was is and maybe that you don't have one but maybe you do is your most memorable or most favorite uh coon hunting trip i, I would say my most my favorite one is probably the first time that i ever got to go um like i was eight years old uh, my dad he had two uh there was rib bone and rib tick cross, but they looked like rib bones. And uh, yeah, I remember even before eight years old, you know, I was always wanting to go. And, and um, my mom wouldn't let me go because she was only out there playing around in the dark, I reckon. And I uh, finally was able to, I guess, kind of talk my way into going one night. And we went up from where we lived. There's a little creek there, a little branch and some woods. And we was able to go up through there. And I remember, you know, the dogs, just hearing the dogs, and we strike a track and, and run it. And, you know, get treed and just just hearing them where they was treeing and all the excitement and you know getting there and you know seeing them and seeing the coon and and just spending that time with you know with my dad and then you know after that I was hooked I was just you know like I said that hunt was thirty years ago and I can still recall every bit of it you know no problem and it was just after that you know I knew it was something that I wanted to do and I just I've done it ever since and. I can't seem to stop doing it. You know, it's like uh, once you get once it gets in your blood, it's just it stays there. I love it. That's a that's an awesome story. Um, just to, how it stuck with you, and then what it's done for you as far as just being able to pass that on to other people. And I know you've taken plenty of other people besides just your kids with you, and you know, introducing the next generation and, and, and even first timers, they don't have to necessarily be the next generation, but it's all about passing on knowledge and the experience that I think that's what really kind of bonds a lot of hunters together is there's a sense of camaraderie, but there's also a sense of, of trust that, Hey, you've taken your time, your energy and showed me your passion and I think that's like, there's a lot of things that I believe that stick people that once they go and they're, like you said, it's in their, it's in your blood now. Right. And I think that, um, without people having stories like your story and showing your passion and, and just sharing it with everyone or even across Facebook and other social media platforms, I think that's what really makes the hunting community awesome is, our ability to share and love at the same time. I know we're, we're hunting and killing things, but we're, we're doing 
it's, I guess, maybe a catch-22 or maybe a double-edged sword. I, I don't know really the right, right verbiage for it, but just being able to be in the outdoors is awesome, and passing it on to other people is even better. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, some of you know my best friends that I've met over the years is, has been through you know, dog hunting. And, you know, this, if this was something that I didn't do, then, you know, I wouldn't have met those people. And, you know, wouldn't have had the, the bond, the connection that I have with them, you know. And, but you'll definitely meet, you know, and it's the same for any other kind of hunting. You know, you'll definitely meet a lot of people in your travels and over the years of doing it and, and just having something in common that you can bond over and, and enjoy and, You'll meet a lot of good people doing it, that's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you being on the show this week. And uh, it's been fun talking about coon hunting and your dog, Dallas, and hearing the story of the first time that you went coon hunting. Uh, it's been it's been very fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it, and I know our listeners here have enjoyed it. One final thing, Andrew. I ask this to everybody, and uh, I'm going to ask you, if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you hunt? Mm, uh, it, uh, I would probably have to say I've always wanted to go to Michigan and coon hunt up there. Um, okay. It's just a, a lot of coons up there, and they're just a lot bigger than, than what we have here. And uh, I've always wanted to go up there, and uh, hopefully will one day. Awesome. Awesome. Any particular place or just head to Michigan? Just head to Michigan pretty much. You okay. know, I would love to go up there and, and, just, and just try that. Well, I know some people. I've worked with uh, a lot of people, actually, from the Michigan area, and I still do. So uh, I'll, I'll reach out to a few people, and we'll see if we can make this trip happen for you. That sounds good, man. I definitely appreciate that. A- absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, again, I appreciate you coming on here and uh, sharing with us and sharing with our listeners. And I know that they, uh, they've enjoyed this podcast for sure. If uh, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you, would they Facebook be probably the best way through social media? Yeah, yeah, that would be the best best way. Um, we're on there. Um, we also got a kennel page called Blue Ridge Kennels. Uh, it's also on Facebook, and either one you can you know, send us a message on there, and, and we'll be happy to answer you back. All right. So on Facebook, we got Andrew Pressgraves. Or an alternate page of Blue Ridge Kennels and uh, send him a message and he said he'd be happy to answer any questions any of our listeners have. And uh, and uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And like I said, you have to bring your little girls one night and we'll take them hunting and, and show them what the dogs can do. Oh, they'll love it. They'll love it. They'll love just the dogs in general. Um, they, oh, I'm sure. They <laughs> are dog and cat like... They are dog and cat people, and uh, they would definitely enjoy that. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll reach out to you here, and we'll definitely get something set up for that. Sounds good, buddy. Yes, sir. And to all of our listeners, again, you know, we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing, all the love and support. And uh, we just want to say, keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do. Thank you for listening to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.